Welcome back to Musar for Sar Shalom and the Lapid Nation, or should I say the Lapid Legion. Uh, thank you for joining us today as we work on our Medot on perfecting our character traits. We are currently working on a six-week study of the proper way to do Teshuva, and we are on the last couple of weeks of that study. We have this week and next week, and then we will be into Shavuot. We are also praying for the soon, imminent, any day, completion of the Mikvah Shaloah. And I think Rabbi said this morning that perhaps we might even have ribbon cutting this next, perhaps even Sunday. So we, we can hardly contain ourselves for that one. Uh, what a great time to be doing Teshuva so that we can be ready when it's our turn to immerse in that Mikvah. We have almost completed our counting of the Omer. We have about 10 days left. I hope you're keeping up with that. Um, this is the time where, you know, you've been counting for several weeks and perhaps you're beginning to slack off. It becomes easy to kind of slack off at this time. So get a renewed commitment to count that Omer every evening. Don't miss a day. We only have a few days left. And uh, Sar Shalom will be having, as they normally do, an all-night Torah study on the night of Shavuot, which is usually a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, I've heard that perhaps it will even be live-streamed this year, and that would be very exciting for all of you, um, and perhaps for all of us that don't quite make it all night. Okay, then after Shavuot, we'll take a one-week little break just to kind of recoup. And then we will start our summer study, which is uh, an ancient Musar text called Path of the Just by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato. Um, pretty easy to pick up this little book. Uh, I got mine on Amazon. They're pretty available pretty much anywhere. So uh, if, you, if, you, if you decide to get a book and follow along in the book, uh, you've got some time to do that. So this week uh, in our stages, we are on stage five. Um, so far, we've covered four stages of the proper way to do Teshuvah. So let's go back and just do a quick review. We began with stage one, which is recognizing that there's even a sin for which we need to do Teshuvah. Um, oftentimes, this may come from someone outside ourselves pointing this out to us, maybe through rebuke or something. And if someone is a friend to us and rebukes us for our sin, we should be thankful and not hostile towards them. The next stage, stage two, was remorseful. Once we recognize that sin, it's not enough to just blow it off and say, okay, so what? We need to feel great grief and remorse at having gone against our Creator and, and His wishes. In stage three, we looked at, well, then what is our response to that remorse? Because remorse is not the end goal, uh, but the goal is change. Our response is to change, is to stop the sin. And we've often said the phrase, let go of the charrettes. 
before we immerse in that mikveh. Uh, I was really glad to hear Rabbi talking in his drosh on Shabbat. He was giving some insight on Esau and how Esau was perhaps trying to get back in good with uh, Yitzhak. And so he decided to go marry a daughter of Ishmael. But he didn't want to let go of those Canaanite wives. So basically, he didn't want to let go of the charrettes. So his teshuva was not sincere, was not complete. Last week, we looked at stage four, which is taking responsibility, going back and seeing where did we get off track? What was the first thing that caused us to go off the path that we need to be on? And to take steps to make sure that we don't repeat that sin ever again because true teshuva is being put back in the same situation without repeating the sin. We also look back at David's life once again to pinpoint places where we suspect maybe he got off uh, off the path. We looked at several of those and um, if you didn't get to see that one you might go back and look and see several places where he probably uh, could have taken a different, made a different choice and not ended up in the sin where he was. We also looked at implementing fences. Uh, What things can we put in place to keep us from being tempted to sin again with the same temptation? Um, And we looked at several of those. Then we reviewed the midah of responsibility. And the Hebrew word, if you remember, for a responsibility was akare. Akare can mut. It can actually have two meanings. One is after, and the other uh, word is other. And they both fit uh, it, uh, after in the sense that all of our actions have consequences that come after the action. And we are responsible for those consequences. Other in the sense that we are responsible for each other. A large part of our spiritual growth involves taking the focus off of our own self and our own needs and carrying our neighbor's burden. Your homework last week was to go back to your list, once again, that you're building, this list that you're working on every week, and choose one or more of those items and just take a look and see where was the first point where I got off path? What caused me to end up in that sin? And then uh, perhaps um, see what fences you could put in place to keep you from doing that sin the next time perhaps that you're in that situation. Uh, Then I asked you to look at, are there uh, activities that you need to stop doing or things that you need to start doing that will help you be like Yosef to flee from sin rather than like David was in his situation when he ran towards sin. And so that was your homework for last week. So this week we look at stage five. Rabbi Yonah, uh, for, you, for you that joined us last summer in our study of Sha'arei Teshuvah, uh, uh, which was a book of big, deep book on teshuva. He, in his 16th principle, he says as rectifying the wrong. Rectifying the wrong that one did is, is a critical component of teshuva. And I, I got a really clear picture of this 
actually comes from the Besorah in Luke 19. If you remember this story, we many of us learned this story as a as a very young child because we learned a song and it was about the tax collector Zacchaeus. And you're probably singing that little song in your head right now. Um, he is a very short man, so he's up in a tree looking for the Messiah, looking for Yeshua. And when Yeshua sees him in the tree, he tells him, come down, for I'm going to your house today. And it says that Zechariah stopped and said to Yeshua, Look, Lord, half of my possessions I now give to the poor. If I have cheated anyone of anything, I am paying back four times. Now keep that number in mind, as much. Yeshua replied, Today salvation has come to this house. Zechariah had done complete teshuva. He had restored to those he had cheated uh, back to what he had taken from them. So stage five of the teshuva process is to make restitution. And this could include returning property that has been stolen to its rightful owner. Um, because we cannot complete the teshuva process if, uh, if we're still hanging on to stolen property. We also cannot complete the teshuva process without asking forgiveness from the person that we have wronged and receiving forgiveness. If you remember the movie, many of us, uh, I've watched it so many times, I don't even realize I'm listening to Hebrew anymore, but it's the uh, Sukkot movie, Ushpazim. And if you remember in that movie, there's a great scene where uh, he thinks that uh, this man, perceives that he, Moshe Belanga, has stolen his sukkah. And so he goes to him and he says, uh, uh, makes him say three times to him, absolved, 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 because he needed that man's forgiveness. Psalm 51 says, against you alone did I sin and that which is evil in your eye did I do, so that you will be charitable when you speak and meritorious when you judge. Now we've been looking at this psalm every week, and this is David's psalm of repentance after his uh, sin with Bathsheba. And here he's talking to Hashem, and he's saying, against you and you alone have I sinned. Now, we looked at this story in detail, and there was a whole bunch of people affected by his sin. So how can he now say to Hashem, against you and you only have I sinned? Rabbi Yonah has some interesting thoughts on this, uh, on this psalm. And he, he says the first part of this verse Against you alone did I sin means the following. I am considered a sinner only to you, and thus I need only your forgiveness. For if I sinned against any man, I have already asked forgiveness and appeased him. So he has already taken care of getting forgiveness from those people that he needed to get forgiveness from, now he's coming to Hashem and saying, I've taken care of all of that. Now I just need your forgiveness. So if we look back at our story of David in 2 Samuel twelve six, David speaks his own restitution. 
requires, here's requiring that the rich man who took the sheep to pay four times. He's in 12, six, it says, restore unto him fourfold for the lamb that he took. And this is what Torah requires for a stolen sheep that has been slaughtered. So perhaps this is why Zacchaeus is returning four times what he took from people, what he stole actually from people. I don't think David at that moment, though, realized that he was the man and that he was speaking his own restitution. Now, did David pay that restitution? Many say, scholars say that he did with his own sons. He had tragedies come to all of his sons. We know the infant son, that was one, but also to Amnon, Absalom, and Adoniah. So he, he paid with four of his sons for the one lamb that he took from Uriah. So how do you make restitution? Shemot 21 and 22 chapters is full of remedies for various restitutions for various wrongs that we may have done to each other. For example, in chapter 21, verse 33, it says, When a man opens a pit or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. Another example in 22.14 says, If a man borrows anything of his neighbor and it is injured or it dies, assuming this is an animal, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. So this is a very critical part of the teshuva process. Obviously, one way to make restitution is through monetary uh, through means. Uh, if you've taken money, you, re, you give it back. If you've borrowed money and haven't repaid it, you can pay it back and, and uh, maybe even a little extra. Um, if you've borrowed your neighbor's weed eater and you've damaged it, replace it with one perhaps that's even an upgraded model. Many ways to make restitution. In Sha'arei Teshuvah, section 4, Rabbi Yonah discusses restitution specifically in the matter of theft. One who swears falsely in denial of any monetary obligation and then confesses his guilt and wishes to repent must first return the principal that he owes to the creditor or the creditor's heirs and pay an additional surcharge of one-fifth of that amount. So 20%. Uh, on top of that. So might be a good, if you're ever trying to look at how can I make restitution to this person? Those are some good guidelines. And notice there he says, or his heirs. He continues that if there are even no heirs, then what do you do? And he goes on to say that that amount is to be paid to the Cohen. So that's monetarily, but what about if we've wronged someone through words? Perhaps even like Lashon Hurrah then we can use words to make restitution. Uh, we can praise them. We can tell them we're sorry. We can ask forgiveness. Um, Rabbi Yonah discusses, though, a situation in which you go to the person and you ask forgiveness, but what if they will not forgive you? Then what do you do? And this is the process. If he attempted to appease his fellow, but his fellow still did not forgive him, he must go to him with a group of three people and try to appease him together with them. 
If he still did not forgive him, he should go to him a second time with a different group of three people. And if he does not forgive him the second time, he should do it a third time. And after going three times, <clears throat> he is no longer obligated to ask for forgiveness. So he can continue with his teshuva process without the person's forgiveness. But he's got to try at least three times to get uh, forgiveness from this person he has wronged. So another question then. How could... We said that David went back and he must have made restitution. How did he make restitution to, say, Uriah? Uriah's dead. How can he ask Uriah to forgive him? There's even a process for that. The Talmud in Yoma 87a gives us the answer for that. The proper way to make restitution, <clears throat> or excuse me, or seek forgiveness is to go to the grave of the person accompanied by 10 people and to publicly confess that you sinned to God of Israel and to this person and that you did such and such and spell it out and beg his forgiveness. At the end, the others respond three times, Malchulach, Malchulach, Malchulach. You are absolved, you are absolved, you are absolved. Kind of like in the movie Ushbazin. You should be barefoot, kind of like Yom Kippur during the course of this. If you do not know where the person is, or in the case of a person who might still be li living, but you don't know where they are, you've lost touch, um, you can gather 10 people where you are and do the same procedure. Now, l listening to this process, I would suggest that perhaps it's easier to take care of these things quickly while you still know the person and the person's still alive. That sounds like a, a better way to do it. So we need to Take care of teshuva quickly. What about if you did not sin against a person, but against Hashem only? How do you make restitution to Hashem? Uh, perhaps you ate unkosher food, you didn't observe the Shabbat properly, or many other things. The first thing you can do is immediately go back and begin to do things correctly. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Say next year, next month, next whatever. Begin immediately. Start without delay to do it correctly. Perhaps there's something you felt Hashem calling you to do. Help a person, give to a, a charity cause, something, and you didn't do it. And you want to do Teshuva to Hashem. Go back and take care of that first, and then come to Hashem and ask for teshuva. Take care of things now and, and before it's too late. Okay, now then let's look at some review of our midot. Let's look at this week, the midah of chesed. This is a good tie-in to our uh, stage of restitution. Vayikra 19.18, which we've studied so much in the last year, says, love your fellow as yourself. Rabbi Akiva taught us that this is the major precept of Torah, that everything else in the Torah hangs on this mitzvot. And we can hear the words of Yeshua even ringing in our ears, that all of the laws hang on love Hashem and love your neighbor. Rabbi Rabbeinu Shimshon stated that um, 
this, this mitzvah of love your neighbor encompasses the majority of the mitzvot, as most interpersonal obligations fall under this love your fellow as yourself. So a lot of our mitzvot have to do with how we interact with each other. So in order to fulfill this mitzvah of love your fellow as yourself, a person has to rectify practically all of his bad midot before he can truly love his neighbor. And that's what we study about every week here on Tuesdays, is how to rectify our bad midot and strengthen our good midot. By working to fulfill this mitzvah, a person will automatically come to rectify his bad midot. If we're trying to love our neighbor as ourselves, it will cause us to automatically work on our midot, especially our bad ones. The Vilna Gaon says that we are alive so that we can correct these midot that we have not fixed, these bad midot or these good midots that are not strengthened. The Rambam in Hilkot De O 63 writes, it is a mitzvah for each person to love every other Jew as his own self. As the, store, as the Torah states, love your fellow as yourself. One is obligated to, not only to love, but to speak praises of the other person and to safeguard his money as if it were your very own. Um, and to respect that person as as you yourself would want to be respected. Um, again, we hear Yeshua's words, treat that person like you want to be treated. If we strengthen our midah of chesed, it will be so much easier to make restitution uh, for any wrong that we have done to one another because we want to fulfill this mitzvah of love uh, your fellow as yourself. When the Torah commands us to love your fellow as yourself, We've talked about this. It is not obligating you to like that person. You may not have the same interests. You may not have the same viewpoints. It's not talking about that, but it is talking about to love him. And Rambam writes that we are obligated to care about others and desire their well-being, even if we don't see eye to eye, even if we don't like the same things. You know, think about small children uh, many of you have them, and think about how focused on themselves they are. You know, many times it's our job as parents to train them out of that viewpoint. If they want something, they don't care about the feelings of anyone else. They don't care that you don't have the money, that you're working hard. They want it, and they want it now. Unfortunately, some people remain children all of their lives. Um they remain egotistical, self-focused, selfish. Uh, they only give if it's easy or in some way benefits them. Either they get honor for it or they get some other benefit. You know, it says practically all bad me don't stem from egocentricity, from being self-focused, selfish, focused on ourselves, being immature, being like children. Most of our bad me don't come from that place. A person feels jealous, for instance, when he feels, uh, when he seeks to be his superior to his friend. He gets angry when he feels that his friend has defied his wishes. How dare he? But the mitzvah of love your neighbor as yourself requires the opposite of self-centeredness. It obligates us to recognize that we are not in this world for ourselves. 
but to do for others, to love others. Our sages also state in Shavuot 39a, all Jews are guarantors for one another, which means that all Jews are connected. We bear responsibility for each other. We are obligated to care about one another. We cannot be an island unto ourselves and just take care of me and mine. We are obligated to care for one another, pay attention to their needs, and help them find a way to help them in every way possible. The sages also teach in Avot 3.14, The Jewish people are beloved because they are called children of Hashem. If you're having trouble loving a particular person, just remember that you both have the same father. You are brothers in Hashem, or sisters. Since every Jew is a child of Hashem, that means we are responsible for one another. In fact, um, they the sages expound on the verse, you shall not curse yourself as you shall not form separate factions. That comes from Yevamot 13b. We are to avoid hatred and discord and strife in every way possible. You know, we're funny as human beings. Doesn't it seem like that when we have a problem, no matter how small it is, it is so much bigger than our friend's problem, which may be really serious, but in comparison to our little problem, ours is so much more important. That is just human nature. But we need to retrain our viewpoint and see that if our friend is suffering we should not brush it off we don't have that luxury of just looking the other way but we need to consider every single way possible remember in our last book we said be slow to say no before you say no I can't help you look for some way that you can perhaps help their situation in fact, we should feel responsible for them to alleviate um, their pain as though it were our very own. And the, it says that the true meaning of sharing another person's burden is to recognize and feel that his problem is our problem. And if we had a problem, we wouldn't stop until it was solved. And so we need to have that same attitude towards one another. And when we have this attitude, it automatically connects us to our fellow. We share in their joys as well as their pain. And then that is loving our neighbor as ourselves. You know, when we begin to think that all that we have is ours, and I got to protect it, and I got to keep it and save it, without realizing that it's really Hashem that gave it to us, we become stingy with our money. And with this attitude, it is possible to see how that a person could cheat, even steal from one another because his own needs are more important than anyone else's. And uh, Rabbi Akiva says, God makes people needy so that we may be saved from the judgment of Gehenna through giving them charity. Um, so Hashem provides this outlet for us to keep us from becoming stingy so that we have to open our eyes to the needs of others and have an open hand and realize that really what we have is not ours anyway. Hashem gave it to us. Um, we, ha we have to teach ourselves to break this bad midah of selfishness by giving to others what we might even be saving for ourselves. Um, Many of us might, 
you know, if you have children at home or a large family, you might be saving the last piece of cake for yourself. Oh, if, if you gave that to someone else, that, that would be even bigger mitzvah than if you gave them the first piece of cake. Our sages teach in Avot 3.7, Give Hashem what is His by giving of yourself and your possessions to do His will because you and what belongs to you are really His. Everything you have is His. You are His. We need to realize that we are merely Hashem's bankers, His, distribu- his distri- distribution uh, place. He gives to us so that we can distribute to others in need. We can't just keep it all for ourselves. And you know, if our if our midah of chesed is strong and balanced, well, in the first place, there's fewer times that we're going to have to make restitution because there's going to be fewer times that we have wronged our neighbor because we love them as ourselves, And because we're focused on their needs, uh, there's just going to be fewer times that we're going to need to do teshuva and make restitution. But if we have wronged our fellow, making restitution can only strengthen our midah of chesed. Okay, what about your homework for this week? Again, I hope you're keeping that list. I hope it's on paper somewhere or can be transferred to paper. Uh, bring it next week and we're going to... Uh, finish up, tell you what to do with that list. But this week, go back and see if there's someone to which you need to go back and make restitution, either with money or with replacing something or even with words uh, or someone you just need to go to and ask for forgiveness for wronging, for the wrong that you have done to them. Record that in your journal. Then Don't just write it in your journal. Take steps to actually do that. Um, You know, perhaps someone has died and you need to go to their grave. And um, I don't even know if you could round up enough people to go with you. Ten people where you are, but do the best you can. Uh, But take steps. This is a necessary step before the completion of Teshuva. Also pray that Hashem would show you anything that you have resisted doing that you need to go back and do and take care of? And is there anyone that perhaps you need to forgive? Maybe they've asked you, maybe they haven't, but maybe you just need to forgive them. Maybe you need to let them know you've forgiven them. Maybe you can begin to restore that relationship even this week. Um, You know, think about something you could do, some way you could show them that you want to restore that relationship, that you want to uh, forgive them, that you have forgiven them. Um, So put that in there as well. Okay, that is our lesson for today. Um, Let's review just quickly. We have now done five stages of the Teshuvah process. There's one more stage next week. Number one, recognize that there is a sin. Number two, feel remorse and grief over that sin. Number three, respond appropriately by stopping the sin, letting go of the charrettes. Take responsibility. Look back. Where did you go wrong? And fix it or put a fence in place. And this week, make restitution. Remember that Rabbi Yonah in Sha'arei Teshuvah states that his 16th principle is rectifying the wrong. It's a critical component of Teshuvah. 
We talked about one way is through monetary means. If we owe someone, pay it back. Uh, if we've damaged their property, replace it. Another way is through words. Um, words of praise, words of honor, but as well, words of asking forgiveness. Um, being Going to the person and asking forgiveness. Remember that Rabbi Yona discussed the situation in which a person will not forgive. Uh, if he won't forgive, take uh, people with you and ask again, and a second time, and a third time. And only after the third time are you no longer obligated to seek forgiveness from that person. If your sin was against Hashem only, begin quickly to do what it is you sinned. Whatever it was you didn't do or you did and you shouldn't have done, take care of it quickly. Change it. Make it right. Do it correctly. Well, have a wonderful week. Keep up with your counting. Man, we can, we're almost there. We can, we're on the last lap of this thing. Um, so be steadfast in that. If you would like to click and share this video with someone, perhaps that needs to do, to learn about the process of Teshuvah, but also just make sure that you come back next week so that we can finish up this whole process. Uh, the last step is just as important as the others. And so I hope that you will be here. I hope that you have a great week. Uh, watch for news of the grand opening of the Mikvah Shaloa and let's all pray that that happens. And I hope you're healthy and safe where you are. Here in Texas, we're beginning to get out and about and really enjoy it. So wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, um, may you be healthy, may you uh, follow Hashem, and, and, and really participate in this Teshuva process. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope to see you again next Tuesday afternoon. Thank you.